And he reveals in the next verse that what he's speaking of here is the scripture, the teaching of the scripture. And that's something we have in common with Peter. We have the scripture. As a matter of fact, when Peter was writing this, the scripture had not been finally closed. The apostles were still writing. These words became a part of scripture. And yet even at the time of his writing, Peter reveals that there is scripture being written, being authored in his day. And he sets it on an equal playing field, an equal level with the Old Testament scripture that he primarily has in reference. We see that in uh, the closing verses of his epistle when he speaks of the Apostle Paul and his writings. And he says that they're hard to be understood in chapter 3 of 2 Peter. He says an account of the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Peter says we have a more sure word of prophecy. It's a word of prophecy whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. Peter's writing to encourage uh, the church of Jesus Christ before his death, before his departure. And he says, it's needful that I write to you, that I remind you of those things that you've learned. And here he says, it's needful that you take heed of the scripture. The distinguishing mark throughout the ages of the New Testament church has been a sole dependence upon the scripture for authority, for instruction, for teaching. And if we are to exist as Christians in a turbulent world, the scripture must be the only source that we go to for authority, for guidance, for instruction. As primitive Baptists, the distinctions are many between us and some of the other denominational affiliations that exist in the world. But the distinction that matters more than anything else is a sole reliance, a sole dependence on the scripture. Because that is where our identity is found as a New Testament church. And that is how we can claim our identity in Christ Jesus, is because his word is our rule, his word is our guide. Peter says we have a more sure word of prophecy than the prophecy of God himself speaking from heaven. Because it's a prophecy that's written down, that's unchanging, that we can rely on, we can depend on, we can fly to in time of need or in time of confusion. It's something we can depend on. Whereunto ye do well that you take heed, because it is a light shining in a dark place. I don't have to tell you how dark the world in which we live is. We see it all around us. We experience it every day. Things that we thought were settled, that five years, ten years, twenty years ago, we thought were principles that were inviolable, unchangeable, are now turned on their heads. We're confused about so many issues. The culture in which we live is, is spinning, it seems, out of control, and darkness abounds. But the Word of God is a light that shines in a dark place. It pierces the darkness. It brings light to that which is dark. It brings clarity to that which is confused. It provides an authoritative answer to every question. The Apostle Paul recognized this and supported it in his argument. As he writes to Timothy, he says the scriptures are a thorough furnisher. 
He says you should search the scriptures, you should study the scriptures. They will help the man of God to be truly furnished to every good work. The scriptures are comprehensive in their scope. They're a light that shines in a dark place. And they point us to a certain future. They're a prophecy in the form of teaching, but they're also prophetic in the sense of telling of the future, speaking to future times, to future events. The prophecy of the scripture is comprehensive. It covers everything we need. It shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arrives in your hearts. Two ideas here. The day dawn. We live in a dark place, but light is coming. Morning is coming. The day is coming when Jesus Christ himself shall appear, making all things new, bringing clarity of revelation, of understanding. Every knee will bow before him. Every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. That day is coming. And the scripture is a light shining in darkness. But pointing to a day when the day star, when Jesus Christ is going to return. But also embodied in this text, and maybe the primary application in this text, is that the day star arises within our hearts, giving light, giving understanding. We live in a dark world, but all too often the darkness creeps into our very selves. We're living in darkness. We feel confused. We don't know which way to turn. We don't know what to lay hold on. Our minds get clouded. We get confused. We succumb to fear, to uncertainty. We worry about our families. We worry about our church. We worry about so many things that are outside of our control. And the darkness just seems to creep in. And it creeps in in the form of discouragement, of depression, of fear. But the day star arises in our hearts, bringing light, bringing clarity. What do we do in the meantime? Lay hold of the Word of God. When you don't know what you can depend on, what you can trust, when you don't know what the future holds, when you're uncertain about your course of action and the decisions that are before you, what do you do? You lay hold of the Word of God. You read the Word of God. You say, well, I just don't feel like I've got any understanding Reading the Word just puts me to sleep. It just doesn't connect. I don't see the application. What do you do? You read the Word of God. You lay hold of the Word of God. You believe the Word of God is sufficient. The Word of God is authoritative. The Word of God is light. Until the Word of God takes on meaning. Until the Word of God becomes a light shining within you. Until God applies that Word in your heart, in your soul, in your mind. And the day star arises in your heart. A heartfelt religion. A heartfelt understanding. It's something to be desired. And it's something that is attainable. And it's found through the external influence of the word of God. Which is internalized through our study. Through our reading. Through our embracing it. Finishing out the, the thought here. Knowing this verse. That no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. What do we do with the word of God? No scripture is of any private interpretation. Two thoughts conveyed in, in the language here. Private means separate or apart. The, the Greek word translated means to be separate or apart. 
No prophecy of the Scripture, no teaching or instruction of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. That is, the Scripture is not to be handled in such a way as we, we take a verse and we decide what we want that verse to mean. We take the verse apart from all context, apart from the rest of the word, and we build ideas or principles on that word. And that's where most heresy comes from. Most confusion over the years in Christianity comes from taking one text or two texts and developing doctrines based on isolated texts or isolated scriptures. Peter says we need to be careful not to rest the scriptures to our own destruction. He mentions that in the verse we read there in chapter 3, verse 16. They rest, as they do also the other scriptures, to their own destruction. No prophecy of scriptures of any private interpretation. It's not to be interpreted in isolation, one scripture from another scripture. We need to have a familiarity with the whole body of God's word. So that one verse is used to explain another verse. So that upholds another scriptural principle, which is that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. The scripture doesn't contradict. What it does do is agree with itself because there's one author. He establishes that in the next verse. The prophecy didn't come by the will of man. We don't have the writing of multiple authors with their own ideas conflicting one with another. We have the work of one author, because holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The scripture is written by God, authored by the Holy Ghost. No prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. The other idea there conveyed is that it's not understood in isolation from all others who have understanding. One of the reasons why the church has been placed in the world is that we might strengthen one another, that we might be built up together. And that answers a lot of the questions that people have regarding the place of tradition or the place of thought throughout history, a historical context for our theology, for our understanding. None of us should be looking to the scripture seeking to understand something new and different that no one has ever thought before. Rather, we should value the understanding that God has given through the ages. We should value the thought of Christians who have gone before us and of those with whom we have had to do in our own lifetimes. We should rely on one another in helping to understand the word of God. Now, ultimately, we receive it as God's word. We receive it as a word that is self-sufficient. It interprets itself. We read it in context. And our, our, our hermeneutic, our approach to things, is first to understand what the word says and see its application in context. But secondarily, there is a consideration of what has been taught, what has been received. And it's a safety mechanism that we're given. Peter says, remember this first. No scripture is of any private interpretation. Holy men of God, they wrote, they spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This reminds us that the scripture is a creation of God. For God's purpose. And because God is not a past tense being. Because Jesus Christ is not in the past tense, but also present, alive and working. And because the Holy Ghost is not a being or creature that exists only in Old Testament times or only in New Testament times, 
but lives today. He's the one of whom Jesus Christ said he will lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost who inspired the Word, is also the same being who preserves the Word, who's protected it, who's provided it for you and I today. And he's the same being who provides to us an understanding, who is that day star arising in our hearts, giving light to that which was previously darkness. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I have many times where there have been scriptures that have troubled me that I haven't had an understanding. I read them and I read them and I can't figure out what they mean or how they apply or what I'm supposed to do with it. And I go to God in prayer asking for understanding, asking for wisdom. I just don't get it. And then one day I pick up his word and I begin to read this passage that's troubled me for so long. And it's like a light turns on. I understand it. It makes sense all of a sudden. And I'm kicking myself saying, why did you not see that before? Why didn't you think of that before? The Holy Spirit interprets his word. He applies his word. He's the one with whom we have to do. The message Peter's conveying in this entire epistle, and particularly this section, is to remind each and every one of us that though we don't have the experience that he had, and we haven't seen the Lord with our natural eyes, and we haven't heard his voice with our natural ears, and we haven't touched him with our natural hands, he's conveying the same message that John later does in his first epistle. That which we have seen with our eyes, which we have heard with our ears, which our hands have handled of the word of life, he is the source of our fellowship. He's what we have in common one with another. And he's alive and active today. He's ruling today. Peter says our dependence is on Jesus Christ as he's revealed in the Holy Scripture. And there's where our hope is found. Thank you for your attention this morning. I pray the Lord's blessing on the remainder of the service. Put a word in Almighty God, we ask that you would be with us, that you would speak to us through your word, that you would cause us to value your word more than we presently do, and Father, to seek understanding, to seek guidance and truth. We ask your blessing upon the remainder of the services this morning. We ask your blessing upon this church and your churches everywhere that meet together and profess faith and trust in you. Father, we ask that you would reveal yourself in us, that you would make us what we ought to be, and Father, that you would glorify your name in a world that tries to deny you, Father, that you would lift yourself up and cause all men to see your power, your glory, your grace, and cause those who are called by your Spirit to flee to you, to reflect upon you, and to honor your name. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.